Come on in and welcome to the SBP podcast, Mobile Filmmaking. This is episode 97, and I'm your host, Susie Botello. Hey, I know it's been a little bit of a little while uh, since we've had one of our episodes, so consider this a big treat. (laughs) Uh, The International Mobile Film Festival is actually happening this week. Just a few days. It uh, The very first day, actually, is April 23rd, which is Friday, this Friday. Uh, and you're going to be getting this on Tuesday uh, today. So, yeah, we're getting there. Uh, the film festival is, starts on Friday. It goes through the entire weekend. Um, and the very last day, we will be presenting the awards. Now, everything, unfortunately, due to... COVID has to be online. Uh, we're not having a live event again this year. Thanks a lot for the pandemic. Um, I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic here. But anyways, um, I've got a wonderful guest who is uh, who was willing, you know, this is someone who's also quite busy, uh, not planning a film festival, but this is someone who does a lot of uh, television work um, as well as film work. Uh, his name, and, and let me tell you something. He actually created a film shot with his iPhone for the International Mobile Film Festival, uh, which will be screening on Friday. So his name is Anthony Bradford. He may be a little familiar to you. He's done a lot of television work, like I said. He's in plenty commercials, uh, and he also has, uh, you know, parts in in different, uh, you know, television programs. Um, Most recently, he was on The Equalizer on EBS, CBS. Um, But the reason we're talking to him is because not only did he submit a film to our film festival, Shot with an iPhone, but he also is creating, he's created an entire web series. I want to mention that I'm really excited about the film festival this year and very grateful for all the filmmakers that are participating in the film festival. Uh, Some of them sent uh, videos, which will be included, and um, they're exciting videos. Uh, They're really cool. And um, I hope you enjoy the intro show presentation. It's like a kickoff video at the beginning of the film festival. All right, I got a few people that I want to mention uh, really quick here. Our sponsors for the film festival uh, this year are Film Convert, Engraving Pros, Naboose Media, Star Wars Steampunk Universe, Swords and Circuitry Studios, and of course, Mobile Film Stories, where you can literally go there, register, and join the quad to have conversations, network, uh, collaborate, and meet the filmmakers uh, and connect, you know, connect filmmakers with the attendees who are obviously all interested in film, movies, videos, uh, shop with smartphones, of course. Um, now, the other thing that I want to mention, few people here want to mention our honorary ambassadors, Jed Brophy and Mark Hadlow. They're also judges. Uh, they We split them up into both the judging panels for the feature films and for the short films uh, competitions. And 
also um, one they are well you may recognize their names so they are also best known as Nori and Dory the dwarves of the <laughs> the the films that which I personally love uh, the Hobbit uh, they are in New Zealand so I wanted to make sure to mention them to you um, they've watched all the films and they have a, a message for you which will be in the awards video on Sunday, April 25th at 1 p.m. So you'll want to make sure to tune in to that. Um, the other thing that I want to mention is we've got our brand ambassadors that have been very helpful uh, and also our executive producer for SBP. Got to give him a shout out for all the support that he's given our film festival, uh, Lynn Lloyd. Our ambassadors are Vesna Ristovska in Macedonia, Erin Nabus in San Diego, and Rich Visor in London. So thank you all for everything that you do, helping us uh, distribute and share the word around the world about the International Mobile Film Festival and supporting the mobile filmmaking community. Now, if you guys are ready, um, I hope I didn't miss anything. I'm sure I did. Just go to mff2021sandiego.com to get the rest of the information. And I'm going to share in the notes here um, more about our guest and our film festival, including links to uh, his videos and, you know, like I said, the web series, his IMDb page and more. Um, so let's let's start talking to our guest. You're going to be inspired by this conversation. I know you are. And uh, you're going to also get a lot of tips and tricks. So if you are ready, let's go and talk to Anthony. Hey everyone, I am here with the most famous guest that we have. <laughs> His name is Anthony Bradford. He's famous for two reasons. One, he's been on TV. Two, he's in our film festival uh, this year. He's actually uh, submitted a film and he's been selected and you're going to be able to watch his film. And I'm going to let him tell you about his film. Uh, and I'd like you to welcome Anthony Bradford. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Uh, so what can we share with our listeners about Anthony Bradford and uh, his latest uh, projects before we start talking about your epic film that's in our film festival? Well, I, I just appeared in an episode of the CBS show, The Equalizer. It's the, Queen, the new Queen Latifah show. I was in an episode, I think it aired two weeks ago, and it was it was just a great experience and a real honor to help bring that story to life. And I also just finished releasing season two of my digital series, Love Millennial Style, which was shot completely on the iPhone 11 Pro. Wow. So you're doing a TV series for, well, you've been uh, on a series for TV. 
and you're also producing your own uh, series for um, doing it on a smartphone. Um, share a little bit uh, before we go into too much detail about that, because this is, it's really, first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. Just, you're very busy. And um, I know that uh, for our listeners, just so you know, we're recording this just a few days before the film festival uh, takes place on April 23rd through the 25th. And one of the things that's that's really cool is that um, Anthony has been uh, part of the mobile filmmaking community for, I don't know, how many years has it been now? Probably, I've known you for probably a couple years online, but you've been at this for a number of years, right? Yeah, I've been, I made my first uh, self-produced project, a 30 minute short film back. We shot it back in 2009 and it's been on Amazon transition. It's called, that was not a mobile film, but I've been making my own film self-producing since 2009, 2010, and then got into mobile filmmaking 2018, I want to say, when I really took the deep dive in. Nice. And what got you, what got Anthony into, because you're, you're not just a producer, you're an actor. So which one did you do first? Well, first, I, I always grew up doing acting, always grew up in the school plays. And then I was really into writing. So when I, when I was in college, I was an English major and took the theater classes and, and business classes, but I was an English major with actually a, a concentration in creative writing. So for me, it was always acting and writing I was interested in. And in college, I, was, I really studied writing pretty hard. So, and that was, and by the way, we should let our listeners know where you are right now. Where are you? I am on the East Coast in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> are you around? Do, do you want to say? See, the reason I ask is because it's kind of cool uh, for listeners who are, this podcast goes out to uh, 16 or so different countries around the world. So somebody who's listening, I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm in the the tri-state area, which is New New York, New Jersey, and then also I spend I am also in Atlanta, which is in the southeast. So I I'm back and forth the northeast region and the southeast, which are both hubs for filmmaking in in the U.S. Yeah, that's right. Um, isn't <laughs> the Grateful Dead? Uh, the, um, oh, the walking dead, the walking dead. <laughs> yeah, the isn't, dead are cool too. <laughs> but, uh, isn't that being filmed in, in, uh, around Atlanta in Georgia? Yup. So you travel, you travel back and forth and yeah, there, I heard also Nashville is very, um, uh, very good for filmmaking, uh, people as well. Am I correct yeah. in that too? Or. Yeah, that's another uh, good spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the what happens is the tax breaks that people get as well, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, New Orleans is another great spot too, where a lot of stuff shoots. Yeah. Well, so so you're you're in that area, and you you travel back and forth working on television. Um, but also, let's talk a little bit now about these uh, web episodes that you've been doing because you're pretty consistent on that, aren't you? 
Yeah, I try my best to be consistent. And that was really what led me to get into mobile filmmaking was that when I in the past had I've made a bunch of short films uh, prior to mobile filmmaking and it was great. I love I love making films, but I found the process it would just become a ginormous production and financially could just get very costly. And I really feel it's important to be able to output work consistently. And I do feel like mobile filmmaking is democratizing, you know, making, making projects. It simplifies the the recipe too, doesn't it? It does. It, It really does. You can just set up shots faster and get a lot more coverage done on the day. Now, Obviously, you are story-minded, uh, which is why you have the desire to make all these all these films and kind of find a nuisance with the process because it takes so long and you just want to get the story <laughs> complete, right, and get it out there, right? Yeah, like I want to get it out there, but then also for sure at the same time, I want to make sure it's out there in its best possible form. So it's always a balance of like, oh, I want to get this out there, but not rush it before it's ready to be out there. Exactly. So where do, you, where do your your ideas for films come from? Honestly, like, <laughs> <laughs> I keep a notepad in my car cup holder because I feel like I get a lot of ideas as I'm driving And then like at a stoplight or if I have to stop off, I can jot down like on my notepad, you know, but uh, it honestly comes at any time. So I I have a lot of post-its planted around just like lists that I'll make. And then from my lists, I'll then open a Word document and just then organize everything. And um, one project I made, it's called Greenlit, that uh, was a TV pilot I, I made a few years back when I was in LA and that came from just notes I wrote every day. And then I compiled it into a pilot script. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Inspiration. You know, sometimes it's like, Oh, I think this would be a cool story to create, whether it's like, Oh, let me try to figure out how to use a specific location and make it like a horror story. But sometimes inspiration just comes from where you least expect it, even from like a dream, you know? So I just try to stay open and, listen to that inspiration. Oh, most definitely. And a lot of people, me for one, uh, get a lot of ideas, but if we sat down and wrote them all, um, we just would never get anything done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've started coffee sometimes, you know, in the morning to, to make my coffee and I'm looking at one in the afternoon and I'm going, there it is. It hasn't even been made yet. It's half there. (laughs) It's half there. Um, so, so you get a lot of stories, a lot of ideas. You're, you're, uh, you're awesome for being able to, to actually, uh, dedicate yourself to, to making something out of those stories, um, and organizing them so that you can go back to them later, uh, to create your, your content, right? So that you can have content. Do you ever blend, um, now I'm going deep here, but do you ever blend some of these ideas into like you go, you know, I've had six ideas for different stories uh, today. But, you know, mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, this could be one story. You know what I mean? Um, that can go crazy. But yeah. in a way, it, it forms a really good storyline. Right. 
Yeah, I think I've I've definitely done that. And yeah, I feel like also I just over the years I I have a lot of stuff I've, you know, kept track of or written down and it's definitely not like I've made all of them. I've been I've been able to make the ones that I feel are feasible to make and that I feel had a good through line. But again, going back to the point of why I got into mobile filmmaking, I was, you know, hiring lots of crew on my independent stuff and loved working with everybody, but it could just add up. And so I had to take a little break for a bit and I just, I started getting like this, but I kept writing down ideas. So I feel like I had these backlog of ideas. And then by getting into mobile filmmaking, I was finally able to really dig in and create from all the material I'd been just thinking up and like in having in a document for documents for years. So share with us, since you've made all these films, maybe one film that stands out that gave you something uh, that really inspired you before you made a mobile film that really inspired you and said, that's it, I'm, I'm going mobile. Okay, so a film where it's like, okay, this was a great experience, but I want to be more nimble. Yeah. Well, I... A recent film I made, it's called Cellular. If you, if any of the listeners are fans of Black Mirror, Cellular would be right up their alley. <laughs> Cellular is about somebody who, and I made this back in 2018, so prior to everything going on. But it's about somebody who on the outside looks like a social media influencer who has it all. But he's actually uh, this guy who is quarantined against his will in his living space and he has to get a certain amount of likes every day in order for food to be released. Everything in the apartment's fully automated. And wow. his phone, or like basically like the Siri, imagine like the Siri operating system is like in charge of you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and so that's, yeah. That's a and great so idea. I shot it over two days. I had a small but nimble crew and I had a great experience doing it. But um, I just remember being like, I want to be able to make what if I want to make 10 more of these? I don't want to have to save up for like another half year. And I just started getting, you know, thinking, getting in my head like, okay, maybe I should check out the mobile filmmaking where I can create or continue a story and not have to worry about as long between the setups and it can get more pages covered during, you know, a day. And also one of the things, I mean, that's like a sci-fi movie. You know, and um, and a lot of times sci-fi movies, uh, people think they have to have a lot of special effects or something like that, but they really don't. It's more about the story. No, I mean, even a big movie like Inception, obviously there's going to be there's big special effects. But when they travel to different, you know, dream states, you've seen the movie, right? You're Mm -hmm. familiar with it when they make when they make the jump. No. Oh, yeah. When uh, when they make the jump to the different dreams, it's all just on an edit. It's a cut. Like, you know, when they go from one world to the snow world, there was no special effect. It was literally just a cut. And also they, they did some trickery there with yeah. the camera movements and things like that um, in rooms. Um, yeah. I remember um, one of the interviews that I had with one of the filmmakers from 2019. He's been on our podcast. He was one of the judges last year, too, uh, Stephen Palmer Peterson. And he wrote um, Assimilate. 
uh, which was, it's kind of a little bit like body snatchers, but more modern, you know, with uh, two teenagers who are YouTubers, basically. And I watched that film, and I was really impressed with this one scene where the trailer starts rolling down this thing. And I said, mm. man, how, th- that must have been crazy, because I've never seen a, a, a scene like that before, wow. you know, where the furniture and everything's just flopping around with people in it. And he said, oh, yeah. And he told us how that was made and how they made that happen. And you're going, well, technically, I mean, it, it's really about knowing the right people. They made it in a small town and they got the collaboration from everybody in this town. That's um, great. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, just things like construction uh, trucks and things like that can help you create a an awesome scene without having to rent Universal Studios and totally you know that can be very expensive. Now that that film right there gave you the opportunity to I mean really inspired you to um, to go mobile right to create something yeah. on your phone. And that then, was also yeah. Go ahead. That was also the first film I directed solely that I like I had usually brought on a director and. My, the usual person I was going to go with, she she could not travel to I shot this in Atlanta and she was um, she was pretty far along in her pregnancy. So she like couldn't travel or anything. And I, I remember she was going to direct it. And then, of course, you know how it goes. Like right. you think you're going to shoot something sooner and it just takes a little longer to you know get everything organized. Right. And so I just like, OK, I'm just going to do it myself. And um, that's also another reason why, because I. I directed it and I'm like, okay, I got a little, I really got to understand more of what that entails, you know, in terms of telling the story directing wise. And that made me realize, you know, oh, I can, I can do this with the phones too. Cause it's about the story first. Great gear, of course, is amazing to have, but there's a lot we can do with these phones because it's about story. I so, I so agree with you. I think the listeners in this podcast know that I do. I think it's pretty obvious. Um, there was something that you just said, though, about about that whole that whole process and how things can change. I think you have to be able to adapt. And there's a lot of creativity that hasn't been discovered yet when you're mobile filmmaking, as opposed to the creativity that, you know, the things that happen on on all movie sets. Right. But people say, well, uh, you know, you can grab examples from other movie sets, right? From the greats that have said, oh, this happened and so we did this. But in mobile filmmaking, there are not that many. You know, you really have to be creative to to pull something because you don't have, you know, a hundred years worth of people who have been on sets that things have gone wrong (laughs) to (laughs) to make things work out. Um, Have you... um, uh, experienced anything like that on that on your film sets in mobile filmmaking that that you could share with our listeners if this ever happens this is something I you know yeah <laughs> well when what's great about using something like your cell phone a film is for instance in one of my my web series love millennial style uh, I've made 15 episodes over two seasons one of them I think it was called workout couple. It was like about a workout influencer couple. We, 
we shot some scenes in my car. And that's what was great about using the phone. I could position it on my like dashboard and get a cool point of view angle of us, like in the driver and passenger seat. Well, it was a hot day outside. And thankfully, the last take, it still got it. But the phone literally overheated and turned off. And somehow it got the take. <laughs> like, wow. You are very lucky. <laughs> So that's something I didn't anticipate. I'm like, wait, these can overheat and just turn off if you don't properly keep it cool and shield it from the sun. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Listeners. Yeah. yeah. And, and and also they don't work well in freezing weather either. I mean, no. they're, if you read the manuals, which there really aren't, but there's always the warning, <laughs> the little warning uh, label on these things where it says, don't, don't, don't uh, operate this. This will not operate under these conditions like extreme weather conditions. Um, but there's things you can do also. There's, you can, yeah, you know, there's things you can do. I would say of. with, <laughs> you know, with depending you know, if you use one of the shotgun mic plugins with the phone, yeah. um, it's always good to put the phone on airplane mode. You know, when I was first, you know, getting used to filmmaking in this fashion, I definitely was getting feedback on some of my takes. And I, that's what I'll say. I did a lot of just because it's a phone. I don't know. It's not like it costs money to on your own, just do test shots. I did a ton of like before I'd film on the day, I would just do a ton of test shots and just try to act everything out just by myself and to make sure. And then I could put it into my editing program and listen back and be like, okay, why am I getting feedback? And then Google, okay. Oh, phones on phone needs to be on airplane mode and that'll help cut off. I think the Wi-Fi signals that the road I was using the road video mic me, which I love, but you want to make sure your Wi-Fi, your phone's on airplane mode or Wi-Fi is off. Yeah, because it's trying to, you know, it's like, oh, I'm checking for emails now. Oh, I'm, you know, somebody's notifying you here, even though, though you don't hear it because you turn on do not disturb. The phone is still doing a lot of processes in the in the background. Um, yeah, I've noticed I, I noticed it's I noticed that a very, very long time ago. I was interviewing people on, you know, here in San Diego uh, from Comic-Con. And I got this exceptional cosplayer dressed like, you know, um, the, the X-Men, the, the Wolfman hmm. on the X-Men. And he A was Wolverine. awesome. Yeah. The, I was like, yeah, I'm horrible with these name things. <laughs> um, and I was so like, oh, yeah, I got this, you know. And then I played it back. I was like, oh, no, I screwed it all up because <laughs> I forgot to put it on airplane mode. And so I started to, you know, to to stop being so, you know, nervous about, oh, I'm going to capture this. Oh, I'm going to get that and and make make it a habit of always putting it on on airplane mode. Um, You were just talking about microphones. So let's talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about audio, because uh, I think your films, the, the ones that I've you know, manage to see trailers and things from you have outstanding audio and they say it's half the picture, but in it to be really frank with everyone, not Frank, the guy, but honest, um, (laughs) (laughs) audio is more than half the picture. I mean, it really can blow your whole picture if your audio is not up to par, uh, for, for the listeners. Right. So I'm going to give you the floor now. I want you to talk to everyone and convince everyone 
how much they should uh, focus on making sure that you have great audio. It's very important, extremely important. I mean, if you have the money, it's always best to be able to hire a, a sound mixer for, you know, for on the day of filming. You know, if you can hire somebody who can just run the sound, but I've been running my own sound because again, it's all about how am I going to be more productive and, you know, can save and just keep on making projects. So what's great about the phone is you can get the Rode Video Mic Me L, I believe is the most current model. That's what I'm using with the 11 and it plugs right into the phone and it is an outstanding little shotgun mic that it's going to it's going to like cut off the sound on the sides and really just where it's pointing to get that subject. And it, it really does a great job isolating dialogue. My whole thing with audio is also you should always be recording it uh, two different ways at once, if that makes sense. So we have the shotgun mic on the phone. And then what I do is I got a zoom, I have a zoom H one N and I've sometimes just planted that below myself or the other actor just to have as a, as a backup. Good idea. Cause you and, can always sync it yeah, later. Exactly. And that's the other thing with my mobile filmmaking, I don't use a clapperboard. I just do it cause I'm the one editing it. So I'm the one dealing with whatever mess I make, like it's fine, <laughs> you know, but I, I do a verbal slate and then, a, a just clap myself. So I'll just say, okay, this is master shot of whatever beat of the script it is, you know, whatever scene it is. And, there, it just makes things move faster. It's one less thing to have to worry about somebody doing the clapperboard, but you can clap your hand yourself. Cause that the whole point of that, like you said, is to sync the sounds. And I have a, a, my old phone is an iPhone six. And so I record with my, you know, I recorded the picture with my iPhone 11. You may notice in some of my love millennial episodes, I have I'll always wear like a flannel shirt or a t-shirt with a pocket, mm. you know, on the chest. And what I do is I take my iPhone six and I put it upside down. I put it on record, like the recorder app. Yeah. And then I record, I use that as a, like a lapel mic that is hiding in plain sight. Yeah. A lot, you, like a lot mic. I mean, yeah. A lot of people don't realize the, the memo, <laughs> the, the, the memo app, uh, on yeah. the iPhone. Uh, capture some pretty amazingly good sound. So that's what uh, actually the film I have play at Raider of the Last TP playing at your festival. I use that to great effect. Uh, um, I use that you know, trick on my film that you got. Oh, <laughs> very cool. Now let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, about that phone i mean that phone that film <laughs> <laughs> phone film yeah yeah the phone film the film phone phone film in the um and the grateful dead um <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit because you know that's uh, one of the one of the films that's going to play at the film festival um and it's a great little little adventure that you go on why don't you share a little <laughs> bit about the about the, you know, I, I, I have to say, I like how you set that up in the beginning, uh, because Thanks. also I think it helps that you're, you're an actor, <laughs> um, <laughs> because your character goes from, I mean, you're a teacher, right? And yeah. so it goes from this 
this teacher, but very studious type teacher, very serious guy, you know, and it's it's just all very very uh, very Indiana um, style. So go ahead, just share with everybody sure. what it's about. Well, it's a, it's a parody of Indiana Jones, which is one of my favorite movies, and it's about a college professor who. So I filmed this at the beginning of quarantine lockdown period last year, and I just wanted to make a film in in my space. I was staying, I was at my folks' place, and I just wanted to make a film from the safety of home using the rooms that we had. And I actually, speaking of old ideas that I went back to, I don't know if you remember, but Doritos and Pepsi, like the for. Yes. For the Super Bowl, remember how they'd always have like commercial, like people could make their own commercials and win a contest. So I was so amped up. I'm like, I'm going to do an Indiana Jones themed one. And then I was like planning it out. And then they just stopped doing the contest. (laughs) So (laughs) I had in my head wanted to do an Indiana Jones, like tongue in cheek sort of thing. And then I I realized, okay, I'm just going to make a plot around a guy who, cause this was during the time where people write all the stores were running out of toilet paper. So it was about, so this is about like Indiana Jones. He's a, you know, he, he raids, he's an archeologist. He raids places like raids. Um, what do you call it? Pyramids and stuff. So what if this guy had to go down to storage to raid a storage area and find toilet paper? <laughs> so that's what it centers around. A teacher moonlights as a basement storage unit raider in his spare time in search for a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> but you made it so serious. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like I said, this, the whole setup, it's like, oh, this going to be interesting, you know. And, and you also did good, the, the lighting. And did you color grade it? What did you do? Because the whole setup from the beginning is, is pretty cool. I used a tiny bit of color grading, but... What I did was I have these softbox lights. You like for the listeners, if you go on Amazon or just or any, you know, analogous site or where you would find film gear, you can get like softbox lights for under a hundred dollars. Like I think these were 60 for the ones I got and I've had them for a few years. So a lot of times with my setups, I'll just get the softbox lights and maybe I'll further diffuse them with a sheet. And that little bit of light just really helps the picture so much. Yeah, it gives it that cinematic um, lighting because lighting is also very important, <laughs> obviously. I, I do some color grading. I use Adobe Premiere for oh, my good, editing. Yeah. So I definitely did a, a little bit of grading in Premiere. But um, And then I also have... LED lights. I use when I shoot on my mobile phone, I use a Ulanzi mobile cage rig, which I think is like only going for 20 bucks right now. But it's amazing because you can put your phone in it, of course, but then you can screw in LED lights. And so for the basement shots, like the close ups, I did a few takes and then I looked at the playback and it just was a little too shadowy. We weren't I just wasn't getting my like full face. Cause I needed that expression, you know, when, you know, the, like the twist joke at the end for, to see the no, shot. Don't say it. Don't give away <laughs> your movie. <laughs> now you'll have but to know what it is now. Right. Like, especially now after the big interruption, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but there, so what was cool is I could take that cage off of my tripod and then put it in play, you know, with a bigger camera, I don't think I would have been able to put it in some of the like crevices in this, like the storage place. And I put the LED lights on the cage and it just, I was able to just like capture the expressions I was making in the moments. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you need to do, you know, uh, a, a long time ago in my video production days, I used to go, to, <laughs> I used to go to uh, Home Depot and say, "Will you cut me up a piece of styrofoam, white styrofoam, <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, I would use that for a reflector. You know, and the That's reflection great. off of that works really good sometimes. So, wow. yeah, That's whatever. And it, I think it would only it would cost me like less than a buck to, to get a piece of styrofoam. So, yeah. And, you know, if it breaks, you know, sometimes <laughs> you put it in the car and when you get home, you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like those styrofoam ice coolers from way back right. when, you know, where it's like, oh, all the ice is all over the place because. I sat on it or something, you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, you could use whatever you need to make it happen because, you know, just to share with our listeners, we are the biggest cheaters in this industry. It's all about cheating. It's how <laughs> much can you, how much, how big can you make this look and to achieve, uh, your goal, right? Um, yeah. with the least amount of effort really and yeah. cost and, and, and time. So, yeah. and learning how to like do my own editing that saved a lot of time and money and also can get the vision the way I want it to be at the end of the day, um, doing your own editing. And so I, speaking of sound also, yeah, there's the capturing of the sound two different ways for safety, but, um, another way that I'm able to spruce up my sound is through another Adobe program. It, it works in tandem with Premiere. It's called Adobe Audition. Oh yeah. And like, uh, for the listeners, when you do a take and you know, you're, you're doing like your usual take, whatever, either in the beginning or the end, let the camera roll a little bit more in silence because with Adobe Audition, what you can do is you can do take what's called a noise print, which is just not even a second, but just like a little space. You can, you can like, capture that noise through the program and then you can do hiss reduction. You can do pop reduction, but you need like a clean, almost like uh, what do you call it? I don't want to say room tone, but you need like that room tone silence to be like, it's hard to do those tricks when like there's mm -hmm. dialogue under the sound. So you're usually able to find pauses naturally in the dialogue to, you know, do that post-production sound editing, but just like having a little space in the beginning of each take before calling action, like silence, That'll help you in editing. Yeah, there's, you know, there, the when you're calling it as a director, you know, sound is rolling. They say rolling. And then you pause for a few seconds and then you go, okay, yeah. action. And it's the same thing at the end. Um, even though it's not said, as soon as they say cut, the sound usually keeps rolling for, for a few seconds anyways. Um, and so does the camera. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's one of the things that, um, I've had to struggle with, um, in editing when I get, uh, videos from other people is they'll record something right from the beginning and then cut at the end right off the bat. And I'm going, ah, oh, shoot, because mm -hmm. I can't put transitions in between, 
those things sometimes. I have to do, you know, freeze, you know, the the keyframes. But when people are speaking, those don't work very well. Um, yeah. So, so in the film days, uh, one of the terms they used to use was leaving heads and tails mm-hmm. uh, to the footage. Um, and it's just, um, it's something that still remains even in the digital days. But yes, so sweetening the audio in post-production usually is the last thing you do that you want to do. Because every time you make a change with the video, you have to go back and redo the audio anyways in your Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, after um, I have the picture cut, then yeah, exactly. I'll uh, clean up all the audio. And that could take hours. So, you know, if you don't know that, you guys, we just gave you like a million dollars worth of advice. (laughs) Honestly, it's, yeah, there's like assembling the picture cut, which can take time, but um, it doesn't feel as long because it's like you're like putting together, you're like painting the picture. The (laughs) cleaning up of the audio, uh, it it can just feel like very monotonous, but it's super important. And I feel like it's the longest part of the process. Yeah, it is. And, and, <laughs> it and, feels and, like it. Yeah, and that's what we call it, sweetening it, because, you know, what a better term to call something so devious. <laughs> um, but it's worth it. It's worth it, it, though. It's very, very worth it. I mean, audio, like I said, makes such a big difference um, with everything. And it can really turn people off, you yep. know. Um, and again, even though the story is everything, you, you want to keep people engaged, right? Yeah. And I've seen projects where just at other, other festivals and whatnot that, um, they definitely recorded and captured good audio, but then in editing, they either have the background atmosphere track too loud Mm. or the background music too loud. I'm like a big, I'm like a big stickler with that. Like the ambient sound. Yeah. The ambient sound or just even if they have a music track under the dialogue, whenever it's like way too loud and it's drowning the dialogue, it just takes... It, yeah, it, that's so that it's little things like that that can you know make a big difference. Yeah, you're supposed to kind of keep the the music track. I mean, I used to work in a lot of promotional videos and stuff like that, and um, I know exactly what you're talking about. When the when the music track or something is way too loud, it's like it it really mm-hmm. does compete. And it's also like if you have singers. Now we're really going to share some advice with our listeners here. If you have uh, voices in the, you know, like vocal um, singers, right, in -hmm. your songs and you have someone who has a high-pitched voice and then you have the vocals who are also high-pitched, it tends to kind of get in the way for the listener as well. So it's better to put a lower uh, tone vocal uh, singer with a higher pitched person and vice versa, just so that it's, makes sense. yeah, so it's not competing. And it's the same thing with bass and treble and all kinds of things like that, because yeah, it tends to, it tends to get in the way and the listener may not know why they're annoyed with something, right? Yeah. Um, because they're so engaged into it. They're not really sure, but man, there's something about this, you know, in their head without them even thinking about it. And, and it's just some little subtle little thing like that. So, yeah. So that's, that's, um, something to consider. Um, and let's see, 
Let's talk about something here. Um, you're, uh, you're going back and forth, and I have to say something that's, you know, that I've noticed here. You must be some sort of a superhero in this industry. <laughs> because, I mean, I know that, so you're traveling to work on shows. You've also worked on like a million commercials. Um, you, that's a lot of time. And I know that for television and commercials and things like that, there's a lot of standby time that you have to be there, mm -hmm. you know, and it takes a lot of your time. And on top of that, most people are either dedicated to just acting, right, or yeah. producing. But you're you're... You're doing both. Yeah, I think over the last few years, there's, you know, the I guess they call it the multi-hyphenate that's been emerging. And, you know, the thing is, uh, I think as an actor, we need to always be acting. And whether that's in acting class, even if you're at home reading a play or just with your friends doing scenes together. And for me, I just I really want to create and tell stories. So I figured, OK. I don't want to just wait for someone to say, oh, you have been picked for a job. I figure why not? We can choose ourselves. And I just feel like it's very empowering and I get to keep, you know, growing in my craft of acting and st storytelling at the same time. That's the best thing to do. Um, I always encourage the actors that I know, you know, to create their own films. I mean, look, there's people, you remember, um, I mean, how many actors are also producing, right? From Ron so Howard, uh, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio, and yeah, there's so many of them. And they're usually, a lot of the actors end up being fantastic directors. What do you yeah, think I mean, that is? I think that, well, also like actors like them have gotten to work with, they've worked with some amazing great directors. So I'm sure they've picked up a uh, quite a few things, you know? Yeah. But and I think there, they, there's something about direct because the directing part, a lot of thing, a lot of people think they're just calling out shots or something, their vision, mm -hmm. but it's really a lot of managing people and, and the actors. Um, it's about the actors on the set more than anything. Yeah. Most of the best directors, you know, I'm not talking about famous directors, but most, but, um, to me, they're, they're awesome. And that I've seen them on film sets They spend a lot of time with the actors more so than they do with the crew. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with them with making sure that they're, they're the ones getting the vision and that they're the communication, the communication between the actor and the director has to, is so important. Very you know, and I think that's probably one of the first things that, you know, that an actor comes on set. I mean, yeah, there's makeup, right? Right. But usually who comes into the makeup room, right? The director. Yeah. I think also just, you know, a lot of the actors who've become directors are so good at it because they've been in those shoes and they understand from their own experiences how important the level of trust and comfort what the director is because the more relaxed and comfortable you are, you're going to be more open to accessing, you know, your emotions and just really being in the store, being in the shoes of who you're playing and not being self-conscious and getting out of it. 
there's um I like being behind uh behind the camera. I I really do not like being in front of the camera and um not because so I used to be in drama classes all the time, right? When I was growing up. So I moved around a lot. It was the best way to get to know <laughs> everybody. Um, but that's different than being in front of a camera, you know, uh, when you're on stage. And I just don't like being in front of the camera. So I love being behind the camera. And I've always been attracted to that. But I had to do a favor. <laughs> I yeah. owed one of my friends a favor. And they wanted me to play this one small little role for them in their in their little film. And I was like, fine, <laughs> I'll do it. And first of all, I have to tell you, it was really hard not to be on set wanting to be a part of the crew, right? Right, um, yeah. But at the same time, it was a very interesting experience for me to see, to be on the other side. And I think, you know, coming out of that, I was like, you know, I, I get it now a little more. I mean, I'm not talking about a big acting debut or anything. I'm talking about just filling in for a little small role that was needed. But I got to, I, my understanding after that was like, wow, every single person that's ever behind a camera or directing should definitely act at some point Absolutely. just at least once right yeah and i think on the other hand every actor should go ahead and direct as well at least once yeah and i would say even try to edit even if it's a one minute short i think it would really uh, give another dimension of insight to people i want to talk about that a little bit because i've met a lot of directors who don't want to touch editing and they've been a little, uh, uh, I don't want to say scared, but intimidated by, you know, Oh, editing. I don't know if I can do that. I, I actually invited mm -hmm. one. Uh, I, I made him pay me. Sorry guys, but <laughs> I did. Uh -huh. I made him pay me to sit down with him to edit his film. And I sat him next to me and I said, this is, this is how it's done by watching me done and explain things as I was doing it, he got it. And now he's editing his own films, you know, but before I did that, you know, when, when, in, what, which, so when you started making films way back before mobile, right. Mm -hmm. Did you hire an editor or did yeah. you right off the bat go, I'm going to edit this? <laughs> no, I never thought I'd be doing it. Like I, same thing. I never wanted to go <laughs> near any of that. Uh, no, I always hired people and they yeah. were, you know, they were great. Um, but I guess as I've been doing this more, I just wanted to have more just complete like creative control. And, uh, just again, at the independent level, sometimes finding people, especially with festivals, there's deadlines and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I just had times where I couldn't find the editor who, who might've been the particular match for the project at the time. And then we would miss out on deadlines. And I just wanted to not have to run into such problems. And again, a lot of me taking on other jobs or wearing different hats just came out of just circumstances where it's like, Oh, the person who was hired to do this, they just got, they just got like a, a bigger job from like a network and understandable, go do that. And it's like, okay, uh, I gotta just do this. Wow. 
So you, but you went, was your first editor in Premiere? Because that's a little more complicated than, to me, I think, I mean, like I, I learned on Final Cut Pro. Oh, oh, for me, uh, well, as a, as an actor, even before the pandemic, I had been doing self tapes for years. Just that has had, that had been a growing, a growing thing already. And it's obviously become way more common due to the circumstances, everything going on, but I've been doing self tapes for quite a few years and I would work with my coach or just tape with a friend and I'd have to then cut the scene and edit it myself. So that was really my first intro to hands-on editing, doing it myself. And I used, what was it? I used iMovie because I have, I've always had a Mac. So that's where I first, I guess, cut my teeth editing was just through iMovie. Nothing, you know, nothing too crazy, just editing my own auditions. Well, you can get pretty creative. You're you're gonna you're gonna realize something here. So, I learned on Final Cut Pro, wow. and I went. Uh, <laughs> I was working in video production, and then you know the X came out, Final Cut X or whatever oh, it was called. Right. Yeah. And everybody was, and I was dabbling with iMovie at the time. Because of the film festival. So there's this thing where it's like, I want to do everything for, you know, free, right? So that Mm -hmm. I can tell people that they can do it for free, right? Right. So (laughs) I remember when that happened and everybody in the video department, um, well, everybody, there weren't that many of us, but still the freelancers and everybody, right? They came in and they were just bitching about Mm -hmm. this whole thing and because you couldn't take old Final Cut project projects and um, season them again and again and again. You, you had to start creating new things. And they were complaining that Final Cut X basically looked a lot like iMovie. Mm. <laughs> and huh, they really wow. did not like it. And I was like, I like it. They're like, yeah, that's because you've been playing around with iMovie, you know. But, but that was for my stuff, not theirs. Um, but when I started making videos for, for this whole mobile filmmaking thing, I started using iMovie and I've used nothing but iMovie since, you know, for, for all the little project things. And there's a lot of cheating that you can do with it, um, to make things because coming from Final Cut Pro, it's like. I know that I should be able to do these things. Like there's a limit of tracks, right? Okay, right. so I'll create this and I'll export it and then I'll bring it back in together because I know, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, there's so, workarounds. Yeah, and then there's animation, little animation things that you can do if you really need them um, using Keynote on 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 that comes with the Mac. Right. Yeah. You know, so there's all these little things that you can do and and you can use iMovie and then I create the music. I do that for the podcast. Well, um, a lot with uh, GarageBand. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. yeah. GarageBand is a great program. Yeah. Now, if I just need, you know, a few seconds here, a few seconds there, I'm not going to I'm not going to bother with it because it's royalty free. Everything that comes with iMovie and GarageBand and all that stuff. But for making, you know, an entire soundtrack, you know, like a song or whatever. I'll just use GarageBand and make my own because, you know, nobody expects, you know, Justin Bieber or something like that <laughs> to be in my videos. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why not? Plus, I love playing with that stuff. So 
so you used um, Premiere, right, after, at some point. What brought you into Premiere? Oh, when I was finishing post-production on my film Cellular, I, um, I just wanted to be able to, I had an editor on that and he did a fantastic job, but I also just wanted to, at times, I didn't want to always have to be like, Hey, can you like change this at the five minute and 23 mark? I wanted to be able to just on my own, you know, make any adjustments. So that's when I just spent literally, I think it was during the summer when it was getting edited. I just went on YouTube university and <laughs> learned that way like watched a ton of videos, put in many, many, many hours. Like It's true. <laughs> it's like stuff. you're watching all these how-to videos for hours and then you're going, oh, I figured out it's, how to fix that four-second thing on the timeline. <laughs> and it's five in the morning somehow. <laughs> yeah. But you learn a lot. Um, the, 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 crazy, yeah. the crazy thing. Now, do you use any apps for, for filming as well on top of everything? Oh my goodness. Yes. I meant to mention, I use, when I do my mobile filmmaking, I use Filmic Pro. Now was that, that can be a learning curve depending on, you know, yeah. I mean, from Filmic Pro back in the day to what it is now, right? Yeah. I, um, I just try to watch as many YouTube tutorials as I could. And I first heard about Filmic Pro from, uh, I, I meant to mention another reason I got inspired to sh start shooting on my iPhone was, I saw this movie Tangerine uh, in the yeah. theaters back when it came out and, and Sean Baker, he, he's gr like on Twitter and stuff and he is just really inspirational, great filmmaker. And I saw Tangerine. I couldn't believe it. I just wanted to see it cause it, I wanted to see the story. And then it was like, Oh yeah, this was shot on an iPhone, which I didn't even, I didn't even realize it till someone told me after, like I didn't, I didn't see it because, oh, this was a movie made on an iPhone. I was seeing it for the story. And again, that goes to the point of story first. And then I'm like, no way this was shot on an iPhone. Because, you know, there was, I think, misconceptions and wrong perceptions about what a quote-unquote iPhone movie would look like. And this was a full-blown great feature film. And that that really inspired me. I'm like, I need to start investigating how to do this. Yeah, I mean... Well, yeah, and, and, and that's the other thing. It's like I've also seen, I've witnessed people with cameras that are $10,000 worth of camera plus uh, yeah. gear, and I'm not, I'm not naming anybody, and I'm not saying this is my best friend or anything, but even if they were, I wouldn't name them. Um, yeah, they're, what they end up putting out is not that great. <laughs> Going, I, I could have done better with the iPhone. It's uh, crazy how that yeah can happen. So yeah, in my after watching Tangerine, I just went on YouTube or just Googled and tried to read and watch interviews with Sean Baker, who directed Tangerine, and he had mentioned he went into how he shot on the iPhone and mentioned Filmic Pro. And, and he also used the the Moondog lenses. Yes, which I have used on I used on one of my short. It came out last year. It's called Call Waiting. I shot it on my iPhone 6 with the Moondog Labs anamorphic lens. Nice. And, you know, they were the first um, anamorphic lenses for for iPhones. As a matter of fact, they're in one of our episodes, and I just forgot the which particular one, um, but they're in one of the episodes because, um, uh, not because they're pioneers, but I, I had them on as guests, 
And oh, wow. one of the things that I learned was that they were working with Sean Baker to, I, I guess he notified them and, um, and told them he was making this movie. And uh, he found out about them somehow, you know, he got wow. word of it. And so they were rushing to finish it for him to use it in his movie before they came out with, with their lenses, you know. But um, they have the background. Well, you know what? You should listen to that episode. Um, and I'm not just talking to you, Anthony. I'm talking to our listeners, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they can get the, the, whole, the whole background story from Moondog Labs. Uh, Labs. I spoke with the two, the two founders um, on there. But, yeah, that's an interesting thing because I remember when Tangerine came out. That was around 2015. And... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the magazines, uh, Movie Maker magazine, um, contacted us, and um, they wanted they wanted to get our input, and they also contacted, you know, uh, Conrad Mess. Um, you know, they they had a a, a big story with um, Filmic Pro as well, um, and all, and you know, the whole thing was because of tangerine it just really yeah it just really brought i don't know if you remember um the sugar man movie one Say this that was again? A, sugar man it was a movie that oh oh sugar man yeah yeah and there was a a scene i think it was like the last scene or something that was shot with a phone and everybody thought there was a little bit of confusion because some people thought the whole movie was shot with a phone because it's like a documentary, uh-huh. but it wasn't. Right. Uh, but it won an award. I think I don't remember if it was the Academy Awards or the you know the Golden Globe or whatever it was. It won an or an Emmy or whatever it was. It won an award for some reason, and it also brought it up to the spotlight and. In our world, you know, our film festival world and the people that have been involved with this for so so many years, every time something like that happens, we go, it, it's going to go mainstream now, right? Yeah. And when, when uh, Tangerine came out, we were like, it's going to go mainstream now. Is this it? Is this when it <laughs> does? When Steven Soderbergh's film uh, Fly High, High, High Flying Bird came out, yeah. same thing. It's going to go <laughs> mainstream now. And we're constantly doing this, right? Uh, but maybe it's not about it going mainstream, you know, because maybe that's not what it's supposed to be. Maybe it's a parallel uh, alternative uh, for inde- independent filmmakers, I think it's just, you know, whether it's mainstream or not, it'll, it allows you to be able to start making movies and the fundamentals of filmmaking, you know, whatever camera you're using, how to frame a shot, how to, how to light a shot, how to tell the story, how to compose it, you know, that it's not going to depend on your camera. Yeah. Your camera is going to inform, your gear is going to inform certain decisions maybe, but the same elements of filmmaking you'd have to use, whether you have an iPhone or a bigger camera. Yeah. And you know, I know, I know I've mentioned it in, in my dream world, right? A long time ago, I used to say mm-hmm. Canon, because to me, Canon makes some pretty awesome lenses, you know, they, from broadcast to everything. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, I was like, Canon, can you make a smartphone? 
you know, <laughs> uh, with a camera. Um, and then there was the red. Red came out and made made that one, and I haven't heard much about them since. But yeah, you know, it's just everybody's gonna play with this. And to me, in my in my dream world, um, there will be a way somehow, some some way that someone will come out with lenses that can that you can make a Lord of the Rings type movie with it uh, with a phone. And I know everybody's like, no, it's never going to happen. I think Moondog Labs said that to me as well. They're like, no, Susie, just can't mm-hmm. happen. But in my world, there is no such thing as can't, right? So I, I'm just going to leave that door open in case someone out there wants to, you know, dig in. <laughs> well, again, I'm sure like when cell phones were a brand new phenomenon, however many years, you know, or let's say early in the early 2000s, who would have said, oh, yeah, in 15 years, not even there'll be films being shot on cell phones. People would have said no way. So you can never say never. You never know what might that. happen. Yeah, I experienced that. Uh, when, when Before there were video cameras, uh, as soon as there were actual photos, you could take photos, right? Mm-hmm. I knew that was going to lead to video because that's, if you look at the history of the camera itself, it began with photo. And that's why they call them motion pictures. Right. Um, and so I knew that every everything, you know, DSLRs go back yeah. to 2008 or 2009 when DSLRs, you know, yeah, these were cameras that were for photography, literally. That's and right. they started to include the, the, the videos you know, aspect to it. And so everything leads to every camera leads to, to video for some reason. So I could kind of see it coming, but I, I, you know, I remember a lot of people saying no way, no way, no way. And people say that to me, they've been saying that to me since I was three (laughs) with everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, Susie, uh, you know, dogs can't fly. All right, let's try it though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so so what are you um what is one thing that you you could say now this is kind of a big one. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Okay. Inspire our listeners who are just so, sort of sitting on the sidelines. Um, especially actors such as yourself, who are depending on just their acting jobs to grab their phone. And everybody's got a story um, or can make up one and to make a movie with their phone. Yeah, I think if anything, I wish I had started making movies with my phone and leaning into it even sooner. You know, um, I would say just there's a story inside of all of us and it could be from a seemingly regular like something that happens in your day, like a regular thing, who knows, like dealing with like telemarketing calls that never stop. You can make a short film just about that, like being frustrated with <laughs> why won't these telemarketers stop? It can be like, it doesn't have to be like a crazy thing. It could be what is seemingly mundane. Cause again, I think there's a lot of universal themes that people will relate to. And you know, whatever is a personal story to you, even though it's like unique, I think the more personal something is, the more universal and people will feel it, you know, which seems like the opposite. It seems like that would be opposite, but I've just found whenever I've tried to go more personal with my stories that 
funnily enough, people relate more. I think making films in in a lot of ways also is a, it's a little bit of personal therapy. Yeah. Because you 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 do solve some sort of I mean when you're building a plot, right? You're solving that that issue somehow and I think sometimes, you know, that that's therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for for people and it is, you know, to share, I mean, people pay hundreds of dollars to go sit in front of a psychiatrist somewhere and share stories, right? right. And their frustrations and things like that. So save that money and use it to make a movie. <laughs> I would just say to people, you know, whatever story you have to tell is worthy and don't worry about critics or what people might think or say, you know, cause those who are getting stuff done are never going to be criticizing you and will respect your action and efforts. That's something some of the greatest directors would probably say as well, because they've come out with, I mean, closing counters of the third kind, right? Oh yeah. Classic. Wow. Yeah. Right. And just imagine back in that day, Steven Spielberg, right. Saying I'm going to make a movie about a spaceship and these three little hills and this guy going crazy over trying to figure that I mean he I mean that's a that's an epic film it's epic it's an amazing film I love that film yeah and I also say you know share like if you have people you want to like say you write something and you want to get notes from like a few trusted people of course please do that of course but I think it's better than to be like posting or oh I'm going to make this I'm going to do that just like do it because it's almost like and I've I've only say this because I've definitely done this where I could talk about doing something. And then by the time I go to do it, it's already the winds out of my sails because it's like talking about it gave me like a false sense of victory and then I didn't do it. So I just feel like, you know, just do it. I totally feel you. I think social media, you know, in in the film industry, you're supposed to not talk about that stuff. You're supposed to kind of part of the the whole thing is um, you don't share what you're working on and then just kind of do it. And then once you yeah. got it in the bag, then you tease it. Yeah. You know, um, but but I think, yeah, I think social media has 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 done that. And you're right. You just just get out there and especially with a phone, my God. I mean, you could say, you know, I'm looking, I'm working on a project and I, you know, of course, yeah, yeah. Anybody who's got a futon or I need a kid's, you know, a creepy doll or whatever it is you need, you know what I'm saying? Um, But outside of that, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's also subjective. Some people will say, no, this is how I get uh, motivated by the comments and the reactions from other people. And that's but I, fair. But I, th- totally, I think like That's you. totally fair too. That's yeah, totally fair like too. Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, everyone knows what works for themselves and that's like totally do whatever works for you, of course. Yeah. But I, but I'm, I'm kind of on the same thing that you are because I'm that kind of a person too, where I just, I'd rather just do it and I can hold back. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Now, Last thing, and then we're going to put this one to bed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, when you are on 
TV sets, television, mm-hmm. like on that um, the equalizer set and things like that. You get to have conversations with some people in the television industry. Do they know yeah. about what you do, that you make these mobile films? And if they do, what's their take on it? Oh, yeah. When, like, uh, my fellow actors in the, the scene I was in in the episode, we, between takes, you know, we had our, we were able to just chat a little. And one of my co-stars, we were just uh, getting to know each other. Really nice person. And uh, I was just saying what I do when I'm not on the set and making my own stuff. And I feel like any actor I've ever talked to or vice versa that's making their own stuff, there's always been a positive response and like, Hey, that's great. Keep, keep at it. You know, I think action work begets work. They say, of course, but your own work can beget other work. So I would, I don't know if that answers it, but you know, I, it's always tough. Like when you're on like a big, big production, especially like now there's just a lot of moving pieces, but you know, when there's moments and you're just like naturally chatting with somebody and getting to know each other, then I'll probably, you know, say, oh yeah, I, I've been making my own independent films. Right. With a phone? Oh yeah. With a phone. And sometimes when I've shown people stuff there, you know, it's nice when they're like, oh, it doesn't look like a phone. Cause again, I think there's just a, a misconception of what like a quote unquote cell phone movie would look like. Right. Yeah. And that's like, you're sharing that tangerine moment with them, right? Yeah. And I, again, I had no, no idea cause I wasn't seeing it cause I wasn't seeing it because like, oh, you got to check out this iPhone movie. It's just I went to see a good movie and then it happened to be made on an iPhone. It's unbelievable huh? that, you know, and and I hope that, you know, I almost forgot about the film festival, just having this <laughs> wonderful conversation <laughs> here. Um, but it's wonderful because, you know, uh, you're going to see films in our film festival. You're going to watch some of the films and you're going to go. Wow. Even even as short as the short films are, right? It's gonna blow you away. You're going, wow, if 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 a feature film can be made like if a short film can be made this like this, then sure enough a feature film can be made like this. And then we've yeah. got feature films on our on, you know, as part of the festival. And they're That's amazing. You know, yeah, they're they're going to be impressive and again when i was watching them i i i fell into the story into the movie and i I, so so you know how because you're in the industry and stuff like that right so Mm -hmm. you look at there are a lot of people that will watch a film and they they can't they miss out on uh something they feel like oh i know how movies are made so it's hard for me to (laughs) get completely you know i i don't I've always been able to divide that. When I watch a movie, maybe the kid in me comes out or something, but I'm always able to just forget about everything I know about filmmaking and to just watch it like I have nothing to do with filmmaking whatsoever. But I can watch it again, right? Or I can Mm -hmm. remember later in and thinking about it and going, you know, oh, you know, the way they did this or the way they did that. Kind of like noticing the things that I noticed on on your film. But every time I watch a film, I watch it just like 
somebody who doesn't know anything, you know, just watching a film. And oh, that's and that's great. my first that's my first impression, my first round of watching a film, you know. But I'm also intrigued by actors because I think they're undervalued, Anthony, <laughs> uh, as to what they bring to the story. I, I don't think, I think some of the most wonderful stories have missed out on their moment on the screen because they didn't have the, 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 the actors that can really push that, you know, that story mm-hmm. into making that epic. I think they go hand in hand together. And I think it's one of the reasons yes. why actors fall in love with a with a screenplay with the story and want to be a part of that regardless of whether it was shot with the phone or whatever or what the budget is they just want to be a part of that oh yeah when I when there's a project I want to be involved in I'm not asking what I'm not asking what's this being shot on I'm asking what's what's it about if someone's like telling me about hey I got this project um, I want you involved in I'm asking about the story hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I, again, I just think actors are under undervalued in that sense. And, um, yeah, every actor should be, you know, making movies. Why wait? You know, why wait to be cast in something? Cast yourself. Yeah. And, you know, whether you release, like I've made plenty of short films that I'm still, you know, I was proud of doing, but I'm like, okay, this is just a little too raw, you know, and it's still a learning and growing experience. Well, you're going to do that throughout your whole life, you know, but what gives you, what makes you an expert is the same thing that comes from experience, which is the first part of the word anyways, right? Um, Mm. And so expert equals experience, or I should say experience equal expert. And that means that you have to fail and learn from every, every single mistake you make instead of getting down on it is going, okay, well, what do I learn? Because there's even, you know, the biggest directors in the world um, who we idolize will tell you, no, none of my best films have ever pleased me to the point to where I'm thinking, oh, this is so great, because they're always thinking about some of the things that they could do better in their next film. And sometimes that's the motivation. (laughs) Trust me, as much as I, you know, (laughs) can be proud of something. Uh, there's always when I watch it, like, Oh, could it's on this. Okay. Try on next time to like, get this, get this down. Yeah. You know, they're always like thinking, okay, can improve more. Yeah. And the, and the fans don't know that the fans are just looking at what they got and they don't realize, you know, it's like the cook in the kitchen. Don't go in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the food, but stay out of the kitchen. (laughs) You know, because you might just see what I had to go through and all the mistakes I made, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, Yeah, I forget forget what movie, but it was like some A-list director of a recent movie where they were saying how there's so many mistakes in the movie. And I just, I can't recall the name right now, but I remember it was, I'm like, what mistakes? But again, (laughs) everyone, it's... It's better to, though, to be always wanting to grow than get, you know, than be resting on your laurels. Yeah. Well, and with every film that every mobile filmmaker for sure and every filmmaker makes, they go, wow, I could have done that better, you know. And so, you know what? I'm going to make another film and and it's going to be better. You know what I mean? And I'm 
always going to learn from the next one. And that's what I love. I love when our, in our film festivals, um, there's a filmmaker that comes in. They've never made a film before. And they make a great little film. And then they turn around. And, but they know, you know, it's not perfect. And it's not the best as far as, I mean, they're never going to satisfy that. But I don't want to tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to be the best for you, even though for the people who watch it, it could be, it could be the best, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're going to keep at it and make more, but there's always a lot of filmmakers who make a movie and they'll never do it again. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it, it just, there's, they, they can't, they can't grasp that for them. It wasn't meant for them, you know? And, mm-hmm. and that's why I say this industry if you, if you don't, if you don't come out with passion for storytelling, um, then you're in it for all the wrong reasons. Because, you know, getting up there to to where the 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 money is, if you're thinking money, or the fame, if you're thinking fame, that comes from doing a lot. I think you really have to love it and have a passion for it. Yeah. In other, in order to do a lot, you have to do that. You have to yep. feel that. And that's where that comes from. So mobile filmmakers that are listening, you got to keep keep doing it. Keep making films. Don't give up on it or just give it up and go into dancing or something. I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> um, any last words? Well, I would like to thank you again for having me because I know you're you're about to be very busy. You have been busy, but you're about to be very busy with the festival and I would just say to my fellow filmmakers that um, just go for it. And I'm excited to see a lot of the mobile films this week and just see how someone may have uniquely approached their process and learn myself. So I'm going in to be entertained. And also I'm just excited to be like, wow, I that's a cool way to get that shot or tell the story through the mobile filmmaking. Definitely. And you never know, you may have to reach out to some of these filmmakers and that's what I'll miss about the live event. Uh, yeah. be, you know, Hey, how did you do that one shot or whatever? But at least we have the quad, uh, which is like our virtual, uh, lobby networking collaboration area. Um, what is your next project that you'd like to mention here? Uh, we're now, listen, we're going to put links and uh, I'm going to do, you know, write an article and share the links, share some of the trailers and things like that. But also on the show notes for the podcast, uh, I'm going to share some links. And right at the top there, what's your next project? Oh, and I also like to say to the filmmakers, because the links will be there. They can like, you know, you'll put my Instagram, I assume. Oh, yeah. They can, they can always message me if they have questions or, or anything as well, I wanted to say. But um, as for my next project, I'm again going back to like not liking to talk a lot. I just get like a little superstitious. But I'm I wrote a feature film script uh, a year ago, and I've just been revising the script. But my next goal is to make my for uh, my next goal, or I should say, my next project is making my first feature film. Oh, that is awesome. You probably shouldn't have told me that because I'm going to tell you right now, you better submit that to our film festival. Oh, of course. 
<laughs> so that's awesome. That's awesome news. And we will definitely, where can they watch? I know you have a lot of your series that you do on Instagram. Yeah, they can also, um, I'll give you, I'll make sure you have the link, but my YouTube channel, they can go to Priceless oh. Pro- Priceless Productions. You have a, what is, yeah, that's also on Amazon too, right? Yes. So Love Millennial Style is on, I have it streaming on Amazon and YouTube and more of my work, just other of my sketches of mine are on my YouTube that have been shot on, uh, through mobile, mobile filmmaking. Well, I'm, I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to come back to you in about six months to a year in while you're making (laughs) that, that, um, that feature film and also, you know, who knows, maybe we'll see you in San Diego too, hopefully. That would be great. I, I really like San Diego. It would be nice to get out there again and visit. Yeah. And all our listeners come on down <laughs> as well. All right. Thank you again, Anthony. Hey, thank you so much, Susie. And I, I will, will be in touch this week and thank you for your time and thank you everyone for listening and have a great evening. Say goodbye to our listeners. Bye, everybody, and go and make your films.